Everybody knows things are bad. Oh, I'd give anything to get out of Oz altogether. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. But which is the way back to Kansas? Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street, and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. Follow the yellow brick road. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. Follow the yellow brick road? We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. I want you to get mad. Follow the yellow brick road. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman, because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Hey there, everybody. P.T. Pop here with all four lobes of my brain securely bound behind my back. And welcome back to P.T. Pop, a mind revolution, where I lead you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth at a time. And today, today, I have the creme de la creme of interviews. I have expert and architect, Mr. Richard Gage. And today we're going to have an interview where he discusses hidden explosions in the World Trade Center, and a cover-up that is just beyond imaginable, the crime of the century. And we're going to talk to Mr. Richard Gage. We'll get into it right now. And first, I'm going to play a little introduction to give a little bit of background about Mr. Gage. Richard Gage is a 30-year San Francisco Bay Area architect and member of the American Institute of Architects. He is the founder and former CEO of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. He now leads the charge for a new WTC investigation at richardgage911.org. Mr. Gage became interested in researching the destruction of the World Trade Center high-rises after hearing the startling conclusion of a reluctant 9-11 researcher, David Ray Griffin, which launched his own unyielding quest for truth about 9-11. The organization he founded, AE 9-11 Truth, now numbers more than 3,500 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center high-rise buildings on September 11th. Hi there. Thanks for joining me tonight on A Mind Revolution. Yeah, you're so welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to sharing this explosive evidence with your guests. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. You know, I want to start off by thanking you for for participating in the show. I've been watching your videos online for years and uh i appreciate your dedication and your passion to this topic thank you to reveal the truth about 9-11 it's really yeah it's been about 17 years now it's just amazing how time flies since 2006 i mean it's it's crazy why are we still on this path why aren't people just (laughs) waking up to it i don't know i mean and, and the thing i love about your analysis is you keep pretty much to the facts. You don't go off the rails. A lot of other people go off on kind of a 
a little bit kind of in the stratosphere about lasers bringing down the buildings and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I love how you 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 keep it straight. You stick to the facts and the truth. And I think that creates a lot of legitimacy for yourself, not only just your background as an architect. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've got a brother that's an architect. I haven't spoken to him in a long time. I've always wondered what he what he would think of this. He was Hmm. an architect out in California in Irvine. Yeah, he may be one of the petition signers. There's 3,500 architects and engineers signed on to the petition demanding a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center skyscrapers on 9-11. Yeah, and then there's three. And, and you know, let me ask you, before we get into, into the elephant, the big elephant in the middle of the room, where were you on September 11th? And what, what, what was your reaction? Was your reaction from the civilian point of view, like me, where you just bought into it? Or were you looking at it from architectural engineering perspective? You went, this can't be what happened. Unfortunately, I didn't have my critical mind intact on that day. I think like most Americans, we were in a state of shock that, uh, especially after the second plane hit the second tower, uh, we're, I'm, I'm going, oh my God, what's happening? It's like, you know, we're afraid. We were seeing people jump out of those buildings before they collapsed and then they collapsed and then you know, what we saw was not a collapse. It was a series of explosions, but we can't fathom that in the in the moment when we're under, you know, a psychological operation instilling fear yeah. in all of us. Yeah. So uh, I think for five years, I just kind of tried to put it away, accepted what they said mm. was that the steel uh, gave way due to the heat. And uh, the upper part drove the rest of the building down to the ground in each case. So I didn't have a reason or any support or any knowledge, hadn't even heard a squeak of an alternative theory uh, for five years. Wow. So what was the turning point for you? What made you go, oh, wow, this was totally, uh, I don't know if you call it a lie or a misrepresentation of the truth. What what turned you around? Uh, I was on my way back from a construction observation meeting in Lafayette, California. And I, this was a, a, a school and I, I was, I turned on the radio, listened to KPFA's Guns and Butter program with Bonnie Faulkner hosting. She was interviewing David Ray Griffin, uh, a, a theologian actually, who has written 14 books since then uh, on the subject of 9-11. Wow. He has a very logical mind. Uh, he uh, was talking about the explosive evidence uh, available from the first responders, 118 of them ta- on record, uh, tapes, uh, talking about sounds of explosions that they heard. Yeah, here's one of the guys you can tell you I'm okay, all right? Seeing explosions uh, and being blown around the building by explosions, uh, this was 
uh, something that we didn't know until 2005, actually, when the New York Court State of Appeals forced the city to release this information, uh, these transcripts, Mm -hmm. and New York Times published them. So, you know, not until then did we know there's 118 now by the expert uh, research from Professor Graham McQueen in in Toronto. He uh, found 156 first responders altogether uh, of these witnesses. And guess what? Most of these are before the towers collapsed. Wow. It, it's incredible. Like, like all the way around the building, like, like, like boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and this many of them saw flashes of light uh, down you know, some of them at the 10th or 15th floor before the tower came down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all of these witnesses of explosions. In fact, 36 of the 40 reporters on the day of 9-11 reported this your local reporters as a an explosion based event. Did they actually use the word brought down and who was it that was telling you this? In the fire department. And um, they did use the word we're gonna have to bring it down. And these people heard explosions. We heard this, this sound that sounded like a clap of thunder. It looked like there was um, a shockwave uh, ripping through the building and the windows all uh, busted out. About a second later, the bottom floor caves out. The building followed after that. He takes his hand off and you hear three, two, one, and it was boom, 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 boom. Half of them were witnesses themselves of explosions. Uh, the oh. FBI uh, noted it as explosions as their working theory as to what brought down the towers, you know, the day of. Are, and are you dumbfounded that, that, that the general public, even to this day, still just believes that even with all this evidence that's all over the place, do you, are, do you, are you dumbfounded that people still don't believe it? That they were explosions? Yeah. Well, um, they haven't been given access to it. The truth about 9-11 has been screened from the rooftops by those of us in the 9-11 truth movement uh, for me since 2006, and they will not play it. Uh, uh, There's been a couple of exceptions, interestingly. Geraldo Rivera uh, uh, had on one of our uh, engineers, uh, Tony Zambodi, and one of the family members uh bob McElvain, who lost his son bobby mm-hmm. in the north tower and uh at the base of the north tower and uh he uh here's geraldo rivera saying gosh i guess these 1350 architects and engineers must know more than i do uh uh maybe we do need investigation whatever he said i i don't remember the quote <laughs> so that was uh notable and then uh we were on C-SPAN, I was, and this is Washington Journal, the 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 their prized show where they interview senators and even President Obama. So we kind of hassled them enough to where they relented and said, okay, what do you have to say? So they had me on for 45 minutes. Guess what? It became the most watched video on their entire website. Wow. One over a million views now. 
Wow. So so we've uh, we we hit a chord with uh, the public, but did they ask us back to uh, re- report on progress and so forth? No. No, it's uh, almost complete censorship these days from the mainstream media. That's why we have so many alternative media like yourself um, yeah. uh, reporting on this subject. Do you do you believe the planes hit the building that day? Or yeah. okay, there's evidence that the planes hit the, the buildings. I, I've spoken with firefighters who were picking up plane parts, putting yeah. them in a bin under the FBI's direction. Yeah, uh, they were collecting uh, the the plane parts. There's also video of people, somebody, an FBI agent picking up an aileron. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. Uh, there's some questions about the, the serial numbers on those plane parts. Yeah. I.e., they may not have been the same planes that took off from their original destinations. Yeah, I saw your I or I listened to your podcast where you interviewed Captain um I can't remember his name of the uh, uh Richard Patterson. Yes. Yes. F D N Y. Yes. That was great. Yeah. Um he was a powerful witness himself to explosions. Yeah. He was blown back. Yeah. Uh, away from the building. By explosion. What what are you up against when when you 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 present such a powerful um, um, explanation of the facts? Have you run into anything? Have you had any pushback from any agencies in the government, or is, you know, no. any, any nefarious things happening to you or your family or anything like that? Or no, no, nothing. Oh, nothing. It's a it's a little uh, disconcerting, actually. You would think that if we were <laughs> You know, I started the Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. I ran it for 17 years or 16, and um, uh, I'm now independent. Um, And we have uh, developed 3,500 architects and engineers signed on to the petition demanding a new investigation. That's that's 30,000 years of technical credibility there. You'd think that would be a a threat to them. but. uh apparently not uh so we continue um it, i'm going to play the video of, of tower seven falling world trade mm-hmm. center tower seven because a lot of people don't know about it and i personally have tried to show it to friends and family members and i've lost some friends over this so i'm just going to play this real quick in in my screen here so people can get an idea of what we're talking about which which i think you think is like the smoking gun the whole thing um mm-hmm. there's no sound to this so i'm just gonna run it here yeah so the east penthouse on the upper left has already come down mm-hmm. and that's six seconds earlier than the overall building starts to come down mm-hmm. um so now we're comparing it to a, a series of controlled demolitions on the right so the question is is there any similarity well, there's lots of similarity, right? Enough, certainly, to warrant an investigation into the possible use of explosives. But they deny this, go straight for the hypothesis of fire-induced collapse. Mm-hmm. Fires never brought down a steel frame, fire-protected uh, skyscraper in history, ever. It's never happened. This is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, since it, it, it looks exactly like a controlled demolition, obviously that should have been the first hypothesis they seriously considered, but they didn't. And they only uh, added it to, well, they, they only started answering these questions in earnest 10 years later on their 
frequently asked questions uh, on their website very frequently. Uh, they try to uh, poo-poo the conspiracy theories, if you will, suggesting that, um, you know, straw man arguments is what they are, logical fallacies like, well, if there was an explosion, it would have been heard miles away. It would have been 130 decibels, like underneath a jet engine of an aircraft. Well, there were witnesses of explosions, but they say there were none. Well, we show four or five of them on our documentary that I made 10 years ago, 9-11, Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out. None of the evidence has changed since then. Yes. It is a very relevant and current um expose of 40 high-rise architects structural engineers metallurgists chemists physicists controlled demolition experts all talking about not only building seven but the twin towers also so if you want to run that clip again there's some interesting subtle uh points to be made here just if you keep it on a loop uh the east penthouse has come down on the upper left the rest of the penthouse which is the screen wall and West penthouse uh, drops all at once within a half a second prior to the overall collapse. Now this is extremely important. What does that tell us? That tells us that all 20 columns underneath this roof structure set of roof structures up there gave way at once. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise we would have seen a lateral collapse across this roof structure. Mm -hmm. Well, how can the few small scattered fires, if you have our video, you can show those too, that are throughout this building, have removed, uh, A, all the 20 columns at once mm -hmm. uh, underneath the, the remaining roof structure, and then B, the perimeter columns a half a second or so later. How can that happen? It can't. Fire doesn't have that capability, even a roaring fire. By the way, did you see the fire in China uh, a couple of days ago? I did. Yeah, I saw it on another channel. Complete inferno on the side of the building, all the way from ground to to the top. And, uh, of course, no collapse. Yeah. Uh, now, there's a, a dozen of such examples of much hotter, larger, and longer-lasting fires in these buildings. And yet not one of them has come down. But on 9-11, we have three, including one that was not hit by an airplane. Exactly. World Trade Center Building 7. I mean, that was a 47-story skyscraper that easily uh, was the tallest buildings in most of our states. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a mammoth building. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I, I know I'd heard stories and and seen video of molten metal. And I can't seem to find those anymore. I don't know if they scrubbed them from the net, but I re vividly remember even when it happened that they were showing beams with dripping metal. Oh, yeah. We wow. captured these images uh, on our documentary. Again, 9-11 explosive evidence experts speak out. Mm -hmm. And my wife, Gail, and I, who uh, work together now uh, Richard, at richardgage911.org on our podcasts, our webinars, she collects the questions, a lot of questions about molten metal. First of all, you'd get down below and you'd see molten steel. Molten steel running down the channel rails, like you're in a foundry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like lava. Like, like, like lava. From a volcano. They actually melted 
beams where it was molten steel that was being dug out. Underground, it was still so hot that molten metal dripped down the sides of a wall. It's this fused element of, of steel, molten steel and concrete and all of these things all fused by the heat into one single element. And they pulled out the big block of concrete and there was a, like a little river of steel uh, flowing. Now, this is a key point that, that we have to keep emphasizing. The fires in all three buildings, even the ones that got hit by an airplane that had jet fuel in them. And by the way, NIST, uh, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, who was tasked by Congress to explain these collapses to the American people, <laughs> acknowledges that most of that jet fuel burned up outside the building. The rest of it was gone in 10 minutes. It merely started the fires, which were almost out by the time the buildings came down. So, um, how do we have fires, 400 degrees Fahrenheit, maybe 1400 degrees are like the worst fires we have. NIST claims 1800 degrees with it without any evidence whatsoever, Fahrenheit. Uh, but molten metal, molten iron or steel, which is what this the tests show this material to be doesn't even begin to melt until 2800 degrees fahrenheit so the jet fuel burning the fires have no possible uh accounting in the official narrative uh for creating all this abundant evidence and i'm just starting on what the evidence for the molten iron is mm -hmm. because it is uh ubiquitous uh, the World Trade Center structural engineer himself, Leslie Robertson, uh, says there's a river of steel flowing. Yes. The first responders say things like, uh, oh, it's like lava flowing down the channel rails like lava from a volcano. Yes. They, they cite that and metal dripping from a beam. Many first responders and iron workers talk about this. And it's also found pouring out of the South Tower minutes prior to its collapse, molten iron. Mm -hmm. And well, right from the South, right from the point of the collapse, as a matter of fact, NIST tries to claim this was molten aluminum, but molten aluminum doesn't glow uh, yellow and white hot uh, in daylight conditions. So when uh, we know by, as I mentioned, the tests uh, from the slag from the ends of the beam performed by nuclear physicists, for instance, Stephen Jones, uh, formerly from Brigham Young University, a professor, does studies, X-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy and other tests, finds that it is indeed molten iron. What's molten iron doing on the ends of the steel beam? Mm -hmm. What is molten iron invading the grain boundaries of the steel at the ends of these beams per the appendix c metallurgical report from fema who produced this very detailed report jonathan barnett was one of the authors of it he says the ends of the beams were partly evaporated in extraordinarily high temperatures it takes four thousand degrees to evaporate steel mm -hmm. so they don't know where this came from they don't speculate in fact there's molten iron microspheres oh by the way 
NIST took over that investigation from FEMA and threw out that Appendix C from their final report and, and didn't let anybody see it. In fact, they deny it actively. John Gross, project leader for the NIST report, says that uh, the, 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 nobody saw pools of molten iron. There's no witness. There's no evidence. So I use his quote, and then I show all this witnesses and evidence in my webinars, which are at Richard Gage 911org And uh, we just put him to shame, because nor does he talk about the key ingredient, a signature component of the World Trade Center dust is not asbestos. Uh, they hid that under the rug, but they also hid molten iron microspheres, about the diameter of a human hair. About four tons of them by extrapolation. The EPA says it's not even World Trade Center dust unless it has these signature component molten iron microspheres. Well, they're previously molten. Obviously, they cool. They're iron. We haven't used iron in our skyscrapers for a uh, hundred years. So where's the iron coming from? And how did it get to be spherical? Well, Molten iron under explosive conditions uh, aerosolizes. Aerosolized liquids form themselves into spheres by surface tension. So the only possible explanation for all of this phenomena is thermite, an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. Mm -hmm. Well, is there any evidence of... Well, yes, there's... The, the evidence in the ends of the slag show not only molten iron, but they show aluminum, uh, which is uh, a byproduct of an incomplete combustion of, uh, uh, of thermite. But is there evidence of unignited thermite in all the World Trade Center dust? Interestingly, a team of eight international scientists led by Niels Herrett in Copenhagen do a very detailed analysis because they're curious because they're finding these red-gray chips, about a sixteenth of an inch long on average. They're, they're, they thought they were paint because they're red on one side, gray on the other. They're dual layered, so they're kind of obviously applied with a fluid, but they're attracted to a magnet. And so... They have a very high iron content, which paint does not have. So they get real curious. They do X-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy, and they find the ingredients of thermite in this red-gray, these red-gray chips. Uh, iron oxide, which is essentially rust, and aluminum uh, particles. Okay, they get real curious now. They zoom in 50,000 times with the nuclear microscope and find what? They find iron oxide rhomboidal-shaped crystals and aluminum platelets in particles that are a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair. Wow. These are obviously nanoparticles engineered of the incendiary thermite. They're set in a, a bed of oxygen, silica, carbon. Well, this is organic material. It's used in TNT to provide the expansion that knocks things over with high-energy explosives. So here we obviously have an incendiary 
being engineered to become more explosive. In fact, the title of their 24-page peer-reviewed paper in the Bentham Open Chemical Physics Journal is active thermitic materials found in the World Trade Center dust. There's no question about that. And when they put them in a heater, a differential scanning calorimeter to be exact, they produce a whole lot more energy because they ignite it about 758 degrees Fahrenheit. What do you think that they produce when they ignite? (laughs) I'll tell you. They produce molten iron microspheres. (laughs) (laughs) with the same chemical signature as the molten iron microspheres found in all the World Trade Center dust by the U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee, an environmental consulting firm, independently. So we know where those molten iron microspheres came from. They came from those red-gray chips. So you see, this is a set of repeatable experimental data that could be used to put a whole lot of people away for the crimes of mass murder and yeah. treason in the crime of the century. Well, you know, I've always wondered about the detonations of explosions, and it would have taken them months and months to to pre-wire three buildings with these kind of uh, devices, right? It would have. Taken- I would think so. In fact, they had such access um, yeah. in the twin towers. We had the largest elevator modernization in the world going on the nine months prior to Uh, 9-11. This could have given undercover operatives under the guise of the ACE elevator who came out of nowhere to secure the contracts for contract for this modernization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otis elevator had installed the elevators. They'd maintained them for the life of this building. Yeah. Uh, 50 years. um, No, not 50 years. Got to do the math, 73 to 2001, 30 years. So uh, we we uh, we need an investigation that includes them. They fled when the planes hit the buildings. They didn't stick around to help the firefighters uh, re- rescue these victims with the elevator caps. These are experts in, in, in those, obviously. So it's quite a scandal that was documented in USA Today. So... The destruction of evidence is pretty prevalent in this entire in this entire day and the days following. Well, and it started just two weeks after 9-11. Yeah. You have 400 truckloads per day getting that steel out of there. Where did it go? It got put on a landfill. Mm-hmm. Then it got transferred and put into barges. Mm-hmm. Then it was sent to China for recycling all this before forensic investigators could get their hands on it. 200,000 tons of structural steel and only 250 pieces were saved. Uh, there's a problem. And, yeah. and, and then the, the analysis of one of those pieces, or two of those pieces at least, turned up in the FEMA metallurgical examination that I cited earlier, where they declare hot temperature corrosion attack on the steel with liquid sulfur, excuse me, with sulfur that formed during this hot corrosion attack. Uh, well, wait a minute. Liquid molten iron. I mean, I mean, mol- liquid iron, they say. Well, wait a minute. 
What is liquid iron? That's molten iron. That's 2,800 degrees. That's not jet fuel. That's not fires. How do you explain that? They don't. They don't explain it at all. They're silver dollar size holes in these in the, the ends of these beams, they're partly evaporated, according to fire protection engineer and FEMA author Jonathan Barnett. So it's it's uh, damning evidence to the official story, which is why presumably NIST uh, threw it out of their of their own report when they took over in 2002. So the when I watch uh, World Trade Center one and two fall. It, it, it seems like it evaporates. Steel beams seem to disappear in the videos I watched from the top. They just seem to, I don't know if they disappear into the cloud or do they actually just vaporize. And it's, it's the strangest thing I've watched. Well, over yeah, we, we do have that uh, clip and it's a fascinating clip because what happens is there's about uh, six to 10 remaining core columns in the air, a thousand feet high after the Twin Towers collapsed. Now, we're told that the Twin Towers, uh, above the point of jet plane impacts, they the top part, 15 stories in the North Tower, 30 stories or so in the South Tower, drove the rest of the building down to the ground and then destroyed itself. But the video clip you're referring to proves that completely wrong. Because no way could those those uh, remaining core columns have survived in that kind of a destruction scenario, which, by the way, they rely on from a paper that was published by Zdenek Bazant in Chicago Northwestern University, who just six, two days after 9-11, two days, uh, he submits this incredibly complex paper he's a mathematical wizard and a structural engineer mm-hmm. uh trying to prove that that's what happened the top part crushed the lower part and then destroyed itself it's called the crush down crush up theory well uh i don't know what 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 about uh you but the rest of us americans were freaking out not knowing when the next attack was coming Yes, this guy's cranking away numbers in his basement in a paper that was only decoded uh, a dozen years later by engineers uh, who were curious about his assumptions, and they proved that they were false. They were engineered; it was rigged twelve to one in favor of a collapse. Mm-hmm. But that aside, the the top part could w- would have crushed those remaining columns. Well. What we see and what you're suggesting is that there's uh, what really what you see in the video, not what you're suggesting, but what you see in the video is that there's a, a shaking on these these beams and then and there's dust that flies off them because 90,000 tons of concrete was pulverized in each powder mm-hmm. to a fine dust. It was everywhere. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But. It's on these beams, and and then you can see uh, the the last remaining one coming frame by frame, dropping straight down. They all drop straight down, frame by frame. So they're not disappearing. Uh, they're not turning to dust, as is claimed by some. Uh, if there was a turning to dust of steel, then there would be steel dust 
in the dust, which is extremely well documented by different agencies like uh, U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee. Now, I would think from my just, you know, uneducated view of it, you would think if it were to fall, it would be asymmetrical and the top would tip to one side or or with petunia would like split out and the walls would go off or something weird would have happened. It would tip one way or the other. And it's just all three buildings right in the, right in the uh, footprint. It's fascinating. Let's start with building seven because it does go straight down into its footprint. It is a classic implosion. It looks just like the, uh, the, the old hotels in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously the destruction's at the bottom uh, and uh, you can't even see the fires They're They're, you know, they're, but they're on the other side, but not at this time. They're burned out uh, over an hour before the building collapses. And yet NIST's uh, theory depends on those fires expanding large span beams uh, around um, nearby Northeast corner near column 79 and then it suggests that those beams pushed this girder off of its seat on column 79 and then floor 13 fell on 12 and so on for so many floors. But none of that could be true for about a dozen reasons, um, uh, one of which is there's shear studs. They look like giant nails that tie the beams and the girders to the concrete. So the girder is not going to be pushed sideways with those uh, structural elements in place, which are documented by the shop drawings. Also, the the girder, even if it could be pushed sideways, would have to have been pushed 12 inches off of its seat. But this says only six inches because the flange folded. Well, the flange couldn't have folded because there's a stiffener, a three quarter inch thick stiffener welded at the ends of these steel eye beams, which supports the the, the, the flange, but they omit that structural element. Floor 13 couldn't have fallen on 12 because there's two other massive girders tied into it. It didn't. And even if that weren't the case and it could fall, uh, the, there wasn't there was 10 times less dynamic force mm-hmm. that was be required to break the girder connections on the floor below. Mm-hmm. So they're just flailing in the wind here. Um, but. Uh, regarding the the collapse in the Twin Towers, we have something very, very different. Uh, After, well, we are told that the upper part drives the rest of the building down to the ground. Well, guess what? There's no videos or photos that show any of that. The upper part is collapsing in on itself in the first four seconds or so. There's nothing left after that point to drive anything down. But what there's even more explosions that can be seen and are heard by the first responders at that point, which are hurling four and eight ton structural steel sections uh, laterally out of the towers at 80 miles an hour, landing up to 600 feet away from, in all directions, away from each tower. Mm-hmm. So the, the, how does gravity work? Down. <laughs> so what's going on here? Something completely different. They're impaled in the skyscrapers around them. They destroy the winter gardens 500 feet away. So that that's a dead giveaway also. And while that's happening, there are squibs or isolated explosive ejections occurring 
20 stories down below the the uh, zone of destruction and 40 stories down and even 60 stories down below this. Uh, th th these are obviously explosions. Maybe they're mistimed, probably so. They're not puffs of air, as NIST claims. They are pulverized building materials, uh, isolated uh, and, and hurled out uh, laterally as well. So then the building comes down. How fast? It comes down at near freefall. NIST actually says freefall, but it's not quite that fast. It's accelerating straight down through the path of 100,000, well, below the point of jet plane impacts, about 80,000 tons of steel in, in the North Tower. Uh, more steel on the exterior than glass, uh, just looking at it, because the glass, these little thin strips, you, you can't even see the glass in, in, the, in, in this building. It's very different than uh, Building 7. So... Uh, that's steel behind those aluminum-cladded panels. And it that, that means that the steel is providing hardly any resistance to the collapse of the building. There's 47 massive core columns in the center of that building, mm -hmm. providing hardly any resistance. Well, even buckling steel columns provide a, a minimum of about a quarter. 25% of their original capacity, mm -hmm. even as they're bending. So we could never have seen the acceleration straight down approaching freefall acceleration. In the case of Building 7, it did fall at freefall acceleration for a third of its seven-second fall. That means not one of those columns gave any resistance to this building's collapse. So how does that happen? They have to have been removed. And that's what Professor Leroy Halsey found at the University of Alaska, who did a finite element study, University of Alaska at Fairbanks. He's the, one of the top forensic structural engineers in the country. He had his PhD uh, uh, candidates uh, on this project for four years. He found that fire did not bring this building down. He found that it couldn't have been and wasn't a progressive collapse because the only way he could get it to imitate the way in which you just saw the video bring this building down was to take out all the columns at once. The interior followed by the exterior about mm -hmm. a second later. Mm -hmm. That's pretty damning to the official story. And that's that's wild. And it's just... It blows my mind that how well they've just kind of like they don't even pay attention to to someone like yourself who's obviously an expert in structures and architecture, but they just kind of well, we're just going to let this guy go and we'll just pretend he doesn't exist. Because <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of that. That'll undermine your you know your story, I guess, or or your claims. And it's just amazing to me. It blows my mind to watch how. You know, I'm not certain who's behind this, and we'll get to that later. But it seems like whoever controls the the narrative is controlling the media, is controlling the whole shooting match. It seems, mm -hmm. and and they don't want to look at the lateral dispersion of this steel. Uh, you look at the pile of either of these towers. There's only a 
two stories or so pile of miscellaneous and twisted metal, a few beams, a few columns, but 98% of it is outside the towers. Well, wait a minute. If, if it's in a roughly a 1400 foot diameter outside the towers, was that weight available to crush the building? No, it's being laterally discharged from every floor at an incredible rate. So that's a third or more of the weight of this building. Mm -hmm. So it's not crushing the building, is it? Well, maybe it's the concrete floors because the concrete was four and eight inches thick. There, These floors are an acre in size. Mm. There's 110 of them in each of these buildings. That's 90,000 tons of concrete. That's a lot of weight. Was it available to crush the building? Well, it's pulverized in midair. There's no pancakes at the bottom of either tower visible yeah. in the photographs or videos. Not 100 of them, not 50 of them, not 10 of them. It's hard to find even one. So you have, uh, it's pulverized in midair. You can see it. Like incredible clouds of pulverized concrete and gypsum board mm -hmm. that, that make up 30% of the dust, by the way, as documented by the U.S. Geological Survey. Well, it spreads over lower Manhattan in a three square mile area, three inch thick blanket. That's where it is. So if it's there, how can it be crushing the building? That's more than two thirds the weight of this building, the concrete and the steel. Wow. Probably more like three quarters. So, uh, the, you know, when you start to just really think about this stuff in these terms and see the destruction in a lens, you realize these indeed were very explosive demolitions. Now, unlike the the building seven the twin towers uh were very explosive outward uncontrolled well maybe it's controlled but it's very outwardly explosive so uh where is a heading with that we oh so so this this we have to stop and ask ourselves after reviewing all this evidence and you know you guys haven't had a chance here on this show to see uh, the the incredible graphic and video and photos that 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 are available on our website and our documentaries nine eleven explosive evidence experts speak out. Can I use a lot of that? In I put it in post. Can I? Oh can I yeah, put it in post. I'll I'll drop it in while you're talking instead of absolutely. I'll send you a link to my PowerPoint. It'll be more easily accessed. Oh yeah, yeah. If you could do that, I can definitely put it in in post. Oh, yeah. Um, that'll be really helpful. Oh, yeah. Uh, PPT to Peter. So uh, you have to ask yourself, well, wait a minute. This is not what I was told. You mean the media lied to us? Our government lied to us? Our congressmen are lying to us, all 535 of them, about the crime of the century right in front of our faces? Three controlled demolition, demolitions. Well, the Twin Towers are in front of our faces. They tried to hide Building 7 as good as they could because it's so obviously a controlled demolition, implosion. Oh. 
Uh, we got some tough questions to ask, and and this this turned my world upside down when I heard about it, Peter. Uh, oh yeah, about uh, to, in two thousand and six, because I was a flag waving Reagan Republican. I wanted to go into yeah. Afghanistan and Iraq and get yeah. those bastards who did this to us. You know, yeah. it was all for these wars. I was the same way. I mean, when it happened, I was in downtown Cleveland in the Terminal Tower, and I don't know if you're familiar with Cleveland, but. I think it's about a 60-story building built in the early 1900s or around there. And when the second plane hit, they evacuated all of downtown. And we were all out in the street in our cars. And I was looking up the sky, waiting for planes to come crashing into the buildings. Sure. I I believed it. And I believed all of it. And then I saw a movie called Loose Change. Yeah, that's a good one. And I I remember watching it. I just sat back and, wow, they lied to us. It's it's all a lie. And um, my wife thought I was nuts. She's like, what do you mean it's a lie? And I was like, well, you know, nobody, nobody everybody thinks I'm I'm a lunatic that I bring it up to. And it's, it's like, well, just look, look at building seven. And they're like, they just I think it hurts too much. I think I think the cognitive dissonance and the mental anguish it would cause to think that our our government is aren't the guys in the white hats and the white stallions swooping down from the mountaintop uh, to save the world. Yep, we can't imagine that our own government, and, and it may not be our government, right? Maybe uh, foreign intelligence, but uh, rogue elements uh, in in industry. Well, I mean, what do we know? Uh, really, uh, there's there's some things we can surmise. We can follow the money and the crime of the century. That mm-hmm. can be very helpful. But uh, the uh, we don't know who who push the button right we don't know who set the explosives so although i have some suspicions i have no research to prove ace elevator was involved um you know who are the top controlled demolition companies and would they be involved maybe i don't know um we have um we we have uh very curious elements that the like like the dancing Israelis, for instance, that that raise all kinds of questions and they turn out to be Mossad agents um, after their arrest uh, by Chertoff. They are let go and talk on a show back in Israel. Uh, there's just a lot of suspicious things to go all the way around, including all the way up to the top in, in our our own uh, administration our own uh the bush administration you know cheney needs to be asked some questions uh clearly uh so uh we what the bottom line is we got to have a real investigation with teeth with subpoena power the 9-11 commission wasn't that in fact uh their own leaders said that it was they were set up to fail Mm mm-hmm uh, their attorney says there was a decision not to tell the American people the truth about what happens mm-hmm. and that uh, uh, much of it was inexplicably untrue. Well, who wrote the 9-11 Commission report? Not the 9-11 commissioners. Yeah. It was written by insider Philip Zelikow, uh-huh. a Bush insider uh-huh. who wrote co-wrote a book with Condoleezza Rice. And uh, what was his Ph.D. uh, in what subject? The creation and maintenance of public myth. Oh. Can't even make this stuff up. Oh, yeah, this is that's I I did not know that. But you've called for an investigation or I I think you filed 
Have you filed suit? Or there are plenty of legal actions in play. Yeah. One of the major ones is the uh, 60 exhibits that were compiled um, by architects and engineers, myself, uh, and submitted uh, via the litigation director, Mick Harrison, of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry mm-hmm. as a pe- grand jury petition. And it went to the U.S. attorney to be given to the grand jury. And uh, he's now been sued to make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. And that may be something that we have to take all the way to the Supreme Court to get action on. And I'm certainly behind that effort. There are also Freedom of Information Act requests, Mm -hmm. a big one going on right now, which is succeeding uh, very nicely, uh, which will force uh, the the release by FEMA and NIST of all the information they had through the development of their reports on this building, mm-hmm. uh, interviews, photos, videos, reports, uh, all of it. So, and the judge is being very friendly to us. He's always oh, he allowed disclosure, uh, which, which means, um, information more, a lot more information is coming forth. Do you think, that any investigation is going to have any real teeth or there's too many people in the upper echelons of the government and the courts that have been bought out, paid off or whatever, whatever they do to quiet people or, or change their mind. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it depends when it happens. If it happens right now, there's, you know, no interest in it. There's no political mm-hmm. win right now for politicians to call for this. They're having a hard enough time trying to control Fauci and, Mm-hmm. And, and the others, those that are speaking up about the uh, the uh, the disease that's going around uh, uh, this, with exaggerated deaths and false solutions that are not safe or effective. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's there's not enough people calling out that one in government. So how can we get support for something that is even much less popular? much more likely to be called and framed as a conspiracy theorist attacked by the media relentlessly. Yeah, exactly. As they do to Rand Paul, who's Mm -hmm. along with Jim Jordan and others, uh, the the only safeguard we have uh, uh, regarding holding uh, Fauci and others uh, to be named uh, accountable. Regarding the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen you speak on that as well. On, the pandemic. Uh, yeah, yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a whole nother topic. And it seems like there's two major events in 20 years, the 9-11 and the, and the, and the pandemic. And it's changed the world. Yeah. Oh, and oh. the parallels between them are incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I found, well, not me. Uh, Kevin Ryan did this research and he, he it's extraordinary. He found uh, these parallels between them. And what I did is codified it and added graphics to it and made turned it into a presentation that I've been asked to give at Dr. Rashid Batar's Advanced Medicine Conference mm-hmm. at the Red Pill Expo by G. Edward Griffin and other places. But he found a uh, foreknowledge, uh, insider trading uh, at uh, in both cases, 9-11 and COVID um, uh, drills that set up these events um planned in advance giving away you know to those who have eyes to see uh what what they're all about like incredible abuse of science uh, creating a climate of fear 
a solution that's far worse than the problem, the original problem, you know, invading Afghanistan and Iraq, killing two million Iraqis, taking away our civil liberties through the Patriot Act, where any of us can be arrested without a right to a lawyer, a trial, a jury. We can be tortured and even assassinated. Incredible. And of course, let's not talk about on the COVID side, the what they're calling vaccines, which uh, are not uh, false accounts by officials, extreme control of the narrative, no real investigation, uh, getting to the heart of the problem, uh, an elusive, powerful enemy, right? Terrorist cells in your neighborhood that could attack, you know, where you live and you need time better get uh, plastic and duct tape and put it over your windows. Yeah, we were going to get hit with anthrax. That was what we were all, or all those crazy stories that we heard, at least here in Cleveland. That, you know, there were, uh, on the day of 9 11, there were all kinds of weird stories in local radio stations of terrorists in vans with guns yeah. on the freeways. And no one else remembers this, but I remember specifically hearing these weird stories about vans being pulled over by the FBI and it was weird on the radio that day when I, I oh, and they arrested um, again Israelis who tried to tell the the people arresting them, "Oh, we're not your problem. Your problem is the Palestinians." I don't know what's going to happen. Um, my job is to make the American people awake, aware of the evidence, and I'm doing the best I can. I don't know how it's going to unfold. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you do it. A tremendous job, as I said at the beginning, your your approach and your presentation is flawless and backed up with facts. And you're not running around saying the sky is falling. You're you're saying it's A plus B equals C, which you don't find. I mean, a lot of the other kind of fringe people uh, go a little bit off the rails and I won't name any names. But, you know, I think it's good to have someone like you who's number one architect, knows about structures. And when I first saw you, I was like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about because he knows about buildings, number one. And everybody else is just someone like me that's like, oh, you know, the sky is falling. And I think you're just a, you were a breath of fresh air when I found you on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube years, years ago. I think it was right after I found the movie changed. So I really uh, appreciate your, your efforts in this. Yeah. All right. Um, Richard, I want to thank you so much for coming on to PT Papa Mind Revolution. Talk about the World Trade Centers and the collapse of the three buildings, not two, but three buildings that fell on mm-hmm. September 2001. And hey. appreciate all of your information that you brought to us today. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. And I just hope that uh, the viewers and uh, are, are are motivated to do something. Share the uh, link, richardgage911.org, uh, with everybody you know, every architect and engineer in your community. Uh, let's let's get the word out. And, and thanks so much, Peter. Excellent, Richard. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. You bet. You have been listening to PT Pop, a mind revolution, leading you out of the rabbit hole, one grain of truth at a time.